Well, hello and welcome to the first of our Common Man Insight series, a chance to get inside the mind of the athlete, what makes them tick, what motivates them and what helps them perform at such a high level. I'm just here for the first 30 seconds. Uh, I had to say something. I couldn't go without being heard. I'm going to throw it over to Forty and Friendy who are going to take us through this one. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the Common Man Podcast, where this time we're taking it in a different direction for this episode, in which we actually don't have a name for it yet, so stay tuned for more details, but... It's called Insights 40, I just said it in the introduction. We're one less Common Man uh, with us today. Friendy, welcome to you, Uh, but we don't have Matt Horstead, do we? We don't have Horstead today, uh, Ford, tonight, today, wherever you're listening. Good morning. But you know what? Sometimes you might want to say, no horse, no worries. Horse, no sherry, whatever it is, Ford. We, I'm excited to be back uh, doing another podcast with you because I feel yes. like we're going to go down this new avenue and it's not always going to be the three of us. We're going to take it in turns, but we don't have a name yet. You are correct. So I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Yeah. I don't know about you, Ford, but I'm buzzing. We've got, we have got a special guest uh, with us and uh, this is going to be in like an interview format, uh, a different sort of take of the Common Man podcast that we normally go in. But uh, some would say that this is uh, two of the better Common Men and now probably three of the better Common Men to this particular episode, Friendy. So, oh, come on, guys. Surely, you know, I have the power in post here to add whatever I want to say. Like, um, Friendy, are you recording from the toilet today? We're excited. I reckon we should just get stuck into it. Friendy, do you want to introduce our guest for this episode? Absolutely, Ford. I'm very excited that this person is our very first guest uh, that we are interviewing. And look, we, we love talking about sport, Ford. Everything we do is talking about sport, whether it's footy, basketball, cricket, swimming, Olympics, gymnastics. We find the sports, we talk about it. But some things that we don't always talk about is when it's not just about the, the physical um, attributes that they bring or the skill set, but we don't always talk about the mind of the athlete. And That's so right. our first interview that we have joining us is uh, the owner, the CEO, whatever you, the boss dog, <laughs> the common man, whatever you want yep. to call him, Mark Hignett from MindFit Surf Coast. Welcome to the Common Man Welcome. Podcast. The crowd How goes wild. You? Thanks, gents. It's good to be here. Oh, look, mate, we are so excited and thankful that you've uh, you've said yes. You know, we we put out feelers to some very big dogs, and uh, <laughs> look, you were you were at the highest height of uh, of what we wanted. Uh, now, I want to give humbled. give the, the listeners just a little bit of an insight about Mark. I, I happen to know him personally, and, and Ford has met him a couple of times. Mark Hignett is when I first met this guy, Ford. I, I thought he was a, a jockey. <laughs> I didn't realise he was a sprinter, but I, I, I soon realised that he, he was a sprinting sensation who hails from Sydney, but is a massive Geelong Cats fan. And uh, he is here to talk to us about mind fit, but I feel like we need to hear about his sporting journey first. Yes. You- oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, knowing a little bit of it, I would love to hear more from the great man himself and and even maybe just chat, Friendy. We've talked about this at the start of the uh, our very first episodes, we want to find out, we want to get into sometimes what makes people tick, you know, what, what's going on, the pressures, the that mental toughness that takes people uh, that next higher level and compete 
at the highest high standards of uh, whatever sport that may be. So this is going to be a great opportunity. And Mark will be good to chat to, to you about that too. Well, thanks for the for the intro, guys. It's um, yeah, haven't had that sort of intro before. <laughs> not um, even from your wife, uh, Mark. Sure, uh, not that long. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, my my well, my sporting journey started a long time ago. Um, a little tacker, um, following my brother around uh, doing athletics, and as I got older and. Uh, you know, I loved it, as Nate has alluded to. Yes, I was, I am short. Uh, so it kind of ruled me out of a lot of uh, sports. I was probably a little bit small for, for league and um, the contact sports. But that, That's oh, rugby for people listening. Sorry, yeah. rugby league. Yeah. Rug, rug, rugby league. <laughs> um, so sprinting was my thing. And, um, yeah, found um, professional running. So for those who don't know professional running in, it's, um, they might know the stall gift. Um, so there's a circuit that goes around Victoria, around the country, and there's races every week. But I got right into that, and it gave the um, the average and or any type of runner, the, the best, the, the, the not so great, the okay runner, gave everyone a chance to win uh, with a handicap system. And, yeah, I was intrigued by it and, and got stuck in and probably ran pro for 20, 25 years maybe, I would say. Now, Mark, the, the store gift, like... This, this thing is a huge event, correct? It is. It is. Like, we're Massive. talking like, um, I, I saw, who's the guy from uh, Jamaica that ran in a couple of years ago? South of Powell. Like, like, we're talking some of the biggest names in the world running this event. Now, 2005, let's go to 2005. You came runner-up in this event, correct? I did. I did. Talk big day. that. When I started, I went into the race not thinking about winning, to be honest. I knew I was in good shape, but wasn't Ed, wasn't getting too far ahead of myself, I suppose. Ran my heat. The history, oh, sorry, the story goes, it's my heat ran. I ran third and it's winners only. And then times will go through to a repercharge. My heat out of the 36 heats was the only one where the electronic timing failed. So they only had a clock, an old guy with a, with a handheld and... He only had one clock, so he only clocked one person. So he clocked the winner and he gave everyone else an average. So my average for that for that side of the window, I was out. We protested, looked at the photo finish, and I was closer than the time they gave me. Put me in this in the repper charge. I won the repper charge two days later on. So with store, you run all your heats on a Saturday. Sunday's a rest day, and then you come back for the Monday. And that Sunday can do a lot to the minds of many athletes. A lot of favorites have been have lost the race on the Sunday, which sounds silly, but they get inside their head. They yep. they spend the money before they've won the race and, <laughs> and come out and, and not win. I won my semi-final on the Monday morning, uh, equal favourite with Joshua Ross, the Olympian, seven times Australian champion. 2003, he won the stall gift. He wasn't, to be honest, he wasn't even in my race plan. I'd run a metre quicker than him all weekend, so I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought. And I, I remember going down to my blocks and my best mate Damien turned to me and he just said run through that line because Ross will be coming and I'm thinking <laughs> Ross he won't get me I've got, got him I've covered got, I've, got, I've got him covered and um, <laughs> my race plan was to get a guy on the green who had time up and I had him within probably 15 meters and mm. so I'm like now what and and Mark um just to give a bit of a background to the stall gift for maybe those that aren't familiar with the event obviously particularly handicapped system in terms of where you start obviously not like the 100 meter sprint sure. in olympics uh, some would say that the stall gift probably epitomizes the common man and 
evens everybody out. <laughs> yes. Would you agree with oh, that? I totally agree. Yes, definitely a common man's race. That's, that's, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, generally the fastest guy is at the back, which is what we call scratch. And then your handicaps go out in increments of quarter of a metre out to a limit of 10. So your mark is usually based on your season's performance. The unwritten rule is to beat the handicapper. So not show all your cards, try and get a bit more better of a handicap than you probably deserve. Yeah, People don't like hearing that, but it's just the way it is. Part of the strategy. Part of the strategy. So you can beat the handicapper, you can can go pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Now, am I correct, Mark, in saying that the the one that, the name that everybody's going to know, Kathy Freeman's even run at this event before. She has. 1996, she won the 400 off scratch. Crazy. So we're talking, you're, you're in some elite company uh, running at this event. Like, just, oh, just I feel a common like man, you need mate. to talk this up a bit more. Like, this is a <laughs> just, big, big Just deal. a common man. Just a common man, Brendan. Com- and this is what we love. It. Very and humble. Mark's, Mark's a long-time listener, too, to the common man. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Sport, so. no, but no, very, oh, that's, that's a great insight, Ford. Uh, how, how would you go, Forty? running a 100-meter sprint. Like, what's your PB? Do you remember back in the oh, day? I was never really a sprinter. I'm more of an endurance athlete, endurance runner when I played uh, football. But I reckon I'd start probably halfway and I reckon I'd still get beaten by uh, these guys <laughs> that quick. Well, well, Mark, we have to ask, what is your PB in 100 meters? Oh, let's say uh, 2004, probably about 10.68 over 100. Okay, so 10.68. So we're looking at... Usain Bolt, who ran yeah. nine five six or nine five eight, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I've lost count. Just, so yeah. we're saying he a second quicker. What what's a second? Just to get our head around that, how far is a well, second I, in meters? Well, it depends who's running it. <laughs> That's a very good answer. <laughs> if it's a common man like myself, it's a bit of a touch over ten meters. Well, you could say ten meters. Ten uh, meters. No, okay. sorry, it's, it's yeah, touch over. Sorry, and and history would suggest, like, uh, and again, we don't want to talk about the size of your stature, Mark, but sprinting Careful. is more of the smaller, stockier sort of style athletes. Yeah, built low to the ground, centre of gravity. Correct. So, so how the heck does Usain Bolt work? He's just, uh, what do they say, one of the seven wonders of the world, we'll call him the eighth wonder of the mm, world. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a freak of nature. I think I was, uh, he was 14 and he would have run close to um, an Australian uh, record in the 200 crazy um, just ridiculous ridiculous good luck to him and uh, mark maybe touching on that you know 14 year old that's probably comparing to australia's like running it probably the fastest can you sort of maybe talk a little bit like the impact i suppose the pressure even of how that can affect young athletes you know teenagers are still finding out who they are or you're still finding even a young adult like what comes with that like what's going on in their mind? I find a lot of um, young athletes perform better on a big stage because they have nothing to compare it to. They almost go in with a nothing to lose attitude. Yeah. But you can you find their second or third return to the event can be totally different because they let past performances dictate what they're doing now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the key for any athlete is to not dwell on, not dwell on the past being the now not think not thinking too much about not thinking too much about the outcome and just and being mm. the moment yeah absolutely because i mean that happens in any sport doesn't it like you you see them playing like maybe their first footy game in afl and they're just going out there just feeling free yeah and then it's when all that stuff starts building 
yeah all the pressures all, all the, the pressures uh, their expectations. own expectations exactly yeah it just starts building and gets and, in their head and i think sport as a whole is starting to get better at um i guess talking more about the mental side of the athlete i think even 10 years ago it wasn't talked about as much as it is now and i remember playing basketball like we never really had someone that would come in and talk to us about the the mental side of things or the, you know getting your mm. mind right which i guess is the reason why we've got you on tonight Mark is to talk about your your business MindFit MindFit Surf Coast. It's on Facebook. Check it out. Instagram. What got you to this point? What, why did you see a need? Why did you see a gap? Talk us through the journey of you getting to to starting this business. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, we're going back um, about two and a half years now. My second child was born. I was going just struggling with day to day stuff. How was I going to pay the bills? Uh, how am I going to provide for the family? How how are we going to get to where we want to get to? And I was letting all these things overwhelm me. I had a plan. Plan was good. But by the end of the week, I plan was out the window and I was just doing my head in. So I sourced out some help. I spoke to my wife. I said, you know, I'm not dealing. Not, I'm struggling. Um, I need help. Which she was unaware about. We sourced the lady through a friend of mine who has a business uh, called Childosophy. Um, now, this a method that's based on children and their needs and where there is an imbalance. I had one meeting with this lady and it was amazing. So amazing. Uh, I ended up studying her, her course and becoming a childosophy practitioner. So what we do with, uh, with, with the childosophy is we find the needs that, or a need that is imbalanced in the person uh, by muscle testing, find uh, what is imbalanced and where you're being affected through the body, how it's coming out, whether it's a skin irritation, a sore back, not sleeping well, you go to the toilet in the middle of the night. Could be any number of things. And these generally happen because of an imbalance. So if you can think of, we all go through traumatic things in life or, or big mm. moments, the ones we remember are great, but the ones we didn't like or were traumatic to us, we tend to pack away and not address. And it's this not addressing the problem that it starts to manifest. What I saw was, although it's based around children's needs, we all were children once. We all become adults. Uh, most people don't talk about their problems, as we've alluded to. Especially so, blokes. Especially, especially blokes. Men. Exactly right. So, and what happens over time is it manifests and it becomes a bigger issue. And we don't know what this issue is because we packed it away in a box all those years ago. Hmm. So with this muscle testing and process that I follow, we're able to uncover why and where and how, where it started and what we need to do to realign ourselves. But then I saw a bit of a connection with sports people they might be good at sport but they're just a common man as well they all have the same pressures that you and i have and yeah. um they all have to deal with them as well as the expectations of kicking five goals or 36 points in the ring or running uh, sub 10 seconds whatever it may be so these same pressures that the common men go through they affect everybody they can affect your performance substantially so i'm trying to connect with sports people who might feel that they're just not not feeling right they're not on their game they don't know why there may be an opponent there may be venue it could be anything which is the trigger for them feeling the way mm. I, can un I, I can uncover why it happens bring a bit of clarity to them let them unpack the the junk and play free reach their potential yeah, and you, and you hear so many so many times where 
where athletes aren't performing to how they should be and the pressures of the media, the pressures of the fans, the pressures of the coaches, you know, that's at the elite level, but that can happen even in juniors where a coach just says one thing to a, to a young person. They remember that for years to come, whether it's a boy or girl, or it does wear you down. Tell well, us, could, could give be us a bit of an insight like. into you about um, sort of, you know, what are some of those moments where you wish you had have dealt with that faster and you've really, by going through this method, you've been able to, really get that healing and, and dealing with it well an example i can give you is like you can think of a coach screaming at you at half time and the kid going into his shell and not knowing yeah. really why that could be a trigger for this young lad from when he was a youngster of being yelled at and screamed at by his dad or or someone a teacher or whatever and that behavior that he felt way back when every time that same thing happens he follows that same pattern falls back into falls back into his shell and then he's not playing well he, he's not himself you know and he doesn't know why through this process we can trace back to this happened when you were x doesn't need to happen anymore you don't need to you don't need to react this way you know you're a grown man and that's good i mean like i think it's you alluded to this a little bit earlier friendly it is probably becoming a bit more there's a better understanding on particularly coaches on how to work. Each player is not the same. You can't deal with everyone the same. I remember myself halftime getting an absolute spray from the coach in front of everyone. I felt like this small for my personality, that made it worse. And I went out that second half just as bad. Whereas some other players that actually could rile them up and and it worked. But, and you said even a young player, I mean, this is myself as a, as a young adult. So it doesn't matter what age does it like it's it's probably there needs to be, there's much better understanding. I think around about how to get the best out of each individual person. Yes. Um, And I I think too, and I'm loving getting this insight from you, Mark, I feel like at the elite level, they're starting to understand the importance of, of getting your mind right, getting your mind fit. But there's such a gap still at the amateur levels and the junior mm, levels where yeah. you need more marks around. That's what I'm observing. Is that what you're finding starting out in this industry, Mark? Yeah. Well, I mean, like the elite level, you know, like the elite level have all the time in the world and they yeah. probably, they have the resources. a lot of resources and they have time to process things when things are going bad. They've got, they got time. For the common man playing <laughs> local footy or pro running or whatever it might be, they also have work. So a full full calendar of everything else that comes with it. They don't have all that time. And I think with the the elite, because they can process, they are able to clear their mind, gives them better ability moving forward. Whereas the common man, every Joe Blow, we have we dwell on things, we let a lot of things get into us, into our head. Well, there's pressures, isn't there? Like they're often they're not just solely focused on that particular yep. thing, is it? There's so many other elements. And yes, exactly. the elite have that as well, but they're paid to do that. That's right. <laughs> Basketball player, how do they miss free throws? They should be practicing that all the time. 100%. How do they miss a free throw, friend? At an amateur level, you, they work. Some guy, your plumber, been out working yeah. their butts off, and then they've got to come to training and they're absolutely right. stuffed. So, well, then the key is to the best any of the sports people can do is to clear your mind. Yeah. You know, so, clearing that junk, clearing that baggage mm. um, gives you the best chance of performing at your, at your best level. And, so, Mark, can, can you talk a bit about impact of parent? Like the pressure of, particularly like yeah, in junior sport. Put my son on. Put my daughter on. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's all. That's, no matter what sport it is, that's yeah. there. Like, can you talk into that? 
again, every kid, every parent is different. And I think the parent who, who act that in that way, uh, I think stuck in their, their past, their journey, they're trying to relive. They want their kid to be so great, maybe because they weren't, or they didn't quite get to where they wanted to. So they want their kid to do even better. And I think that's so much extra pressure the kids already feeling pressure. You know, they can feel the pressure at home on mum or dad. Yeah. Um, let alone on the field. They don't need that that extra push. You know, I think it's very it's detrimental. It's just let the kids have, play. Have you had have you experienced that personally? No, not as yet. Um, so I've been lucky. I haven't had I haven't had to deal with that. I've got a little uh, scenario I want to throw at you, Mark, because I, I love what you've been uh, talking about. There's going to be some listeners out there going, all right, so what, what does this look like? How does this work? I was listening during the week to another podcast. We won't say their name because we don't have to worry <laughs> about that. But Jack Watts was on there. And Jack Watts was talking about his journey. Mm. He was the number one draft pick for Melbourne yeah. at 17 years of age in mm. 2008. Things didn't go well. He, quite a handy player. Very good yeah. player. Um, but probably didn't live up to that number one draft pick. He then moved on to Port Adelaide and is now retired at, at 30, so not, not even that old. And he talks about the pressures that he was under, that he just couldn't cope with the expectations of being number one. It just wore him down, wore him down, wore him down to the point where he just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and he wishes that he was pick 70 or pick 60. Like just So for, for an athlete like him, how beneficial would it have been for him to have someone like you? And maybe what, what would be some of the sessions you would do with him to help him overcome um, the expectations and the weight that was on his shoulders? So I guess we'd, we'd do a, a normal treatment uh, through MindFit, where we find out where uh, he has an imbalance, but based around why, uh, what his triggers are, so why the pressure uh, was getting him, getting to him so much, why he let the pressure get to him so much. I think first you need to find out why it affected him that way. Uh, I think once we find out why he was affected, he then understands how he's responded or why he responded the way he did in certain situations. Um, finding out the why for any uh, treatment is key to then progress forward. So for Jack, yeah, just finding out why uh, he was triggered with the expectation of being great. I think that's where I'd start. Potential so, is often a bit of an overused word, isn't it, in this sort of sphere? For sure. And again, it's someone's, it's one guy or a panel of people that go, yeah, he's number one. Why is he number one? Maybe he was number five, just that they like he did something great on one day and yeah. they put him above four other guys. I don't know how the, the criteria yeah. worked. Well, well, Nick Nett knew he was pick two in that, uh, that year's. Who, who was number one? Uh, he was number two Jack that year. was number one. Nick there Nett, you number go. Two. Wow. Yeah. Imagine if Melbourne got him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've, I've, I've dug a little deeper forward. And oh. uh, I've, I've looked at Mark's Facebook and just done a little bit of healthy stalking. <laughs> healthy yeah for sure and i did notice mark you've been doing quite a bit of work with a young baseballer who is now off to college Mm -hmm. how has he uh, enjoyed having you with that help with i guess you probably helped him with more than just mindfit stuff with some physical training as well but has he has he been a beneficiary of of your training for sure he's over in um north northeast junior college in nebraska where it's like minus 30 beautiful Yeah, nice and balmy. Ridiculous. He's doing great. I actually awesome. spoke to him today. Uh, funnily enough, he kicking goals with his schooling. They're going well. I mean, season's only just started, but he he came to me to improve his speed to reach a requirement to play junior college. Yep. Um, and along that journey, we we did a lot of mental toughness drills. Again, forgetting the past, blocking out. Would tell him that every every opportunity. 
Uh, every time you step to the plate, it's a, it's a new opportunity. Don't forget about striking out the first or second time. Every time you stand at that plate to receive a pitch, it's a opportunity to be, to be great. So almost like reboot yourself. Stand on the plate like it's the first time you're standing there. Don't worry about the last two and knock it out of the park. It took him a little while to get to it, but then he got the he got the hang of it. He was only when he came, he was only seventeen, so he would still get stuck in his little habits. Yeah. And over a couple of years, he, he he got into it, and every time he steps up now, that's great advice. I mean, that could be applicable to anything, couldn't it? Like where you're standing exactly. over the golf ball, you hit an absolute that's it. shocker. You know, yeah. How many lines, times? How many again. times you get the yips when you're thinking of the yep. last oh, shot you've right. done? Yeah. You know, at the Absolutely. free throw line. Well, uh, Ford, I don't know about you, but that's uh, loved learning a little bit more about the mental side of things, the mind fit side of things. And um, I love just watching these professional athletes play at the top of their games, being the best of their field. And and you've got to be so mentally strong. And Mm. I've always wondered what they do to help themselves um, overcome those things. And, you know, if you're an amateur sports person listening to this right now and you, you want to get the edge on your opponent, I think something tapping into something like this, what Mark's has shared about, uh, would be so beneficial. And Mark, to, for anyone that's listening right now, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you to, to start a consultation or a treatment? Or what, what's the best way for them to get onto you? So they can uh, track me down on uh, Facebook, uh, MindFit Surf Coast. Or they can email me at mindfitsc at outlook.com. Um, yeah, exactly what you said is right. It's the one percenters that put you ahead of the curve. And um, I say to everyone out there, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we have we actually have some WA listeners and some New South Wales listeners. And so for any of them, they can get in contact with you. I'm sure you can set up Zoom sessions. Or- sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the consults, all, um, especially with COVID at the moment, all the consults are done over zoom so that's all easy in the comfort of your own home and try and unpack some baggage and be free all right so mark we're about to show you your race i'll make sure that the sound is down so you can just talk us through what's happening all right so you're on the line here before i press play what's going through your mind well it was a long time ago but um i was ready yeah, I'd um, I'd run the semi, won the semi an hour and a half prior. I was ready to go. I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of Ross as a problem. How, how, how many meters ahead were you? Um, eight. Think, I ran eight up eight. Meters. Yeah. Also, yeah. Here's the eight. handicap here. Okay. He's so off you scratch. can see Josh Ross is at the yeah. back there. Mark Mark Higgins in yellow. That's that's my favorite line. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. What right, the final it should so be? Even right here. Let me pause what? that. So you're still feeling good. You're feeling confident. Yeah, I'm following the process. Um, you know, you go through the same pattern every time you start or get in the blocks, you go through the same thing. And so yeah, I was ready. All right. Yeah. Let's let's, let's let's get this going, friend. And the man in green is who you chasing. Brett Robinson. Here we go. Set! Away now, Ross got a brilliant start from scratch. Versace was oh, yeah. out well. Hignett's coming through. Hignett's coming. So he is also running on. Hignett's in front of Versace. Oh. Here comes Ross. He's going to rewrite the history books. Josh Ross has done it at Central Park. He's oh. beaten Luke Versace. He becomes the He's third man Mark to win it twice. And the second in 100. No, stop that there. We don't need to see We don't want to hear any more of that. No but more, uh, no gee, more. that Mark, we'll just talk uh, just in terms of that last back half. He just flew. You want to just talk us through that uh, strategy? 
Oh, well, I mean, the guy, the guy was seven times. I don't know how many he'd won by then, but he ended up being seven times Australian champion. The guy can run. Um, I was just a common man there off eight metres. <laughs> um, uh, one of us. Yeah, I I think I had to run the repercharge round, which is an extra, one extra race. And it may have just been one race too many for me. He, yeah. he ran his heat semis final. He was professional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he didn't let the moment overawe him. He was cool, calm, and collected, and he 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 knew when to pounce, and that was the last ten meters. Yeah. But you're saying there was some strategy involved, obviously, in terms of the wind change and direction that obviously played a part in the back half of that race. Do you want us to talk through that? What was oh, well, not not so much a strategy. It was just that yeah. it would uh, it impacted the race slightly, yep. and that the bunch of the runners up front would all run head on into the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, running into a headwind. Whereas yep. he's coming from behind and only minor. I'm yeah. talking minor, I'm not talking major. We're not was, talking uh, seconds. No, nah, not talking seconds. It was just, <laughs> no, he won by 0.05 of a second. Yeah. So it was enough to hold us up a little bit, make us make our legs a little bit heavier. And um, like the guy's seven foot tall and you know, he took what 20 steps for 120 meters and I took yeah. 50. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, good luck to him. Huge That's effort, good. Though, mate. Huge effort. He is a champion, one of the best. What a way to relive it, Friendy. Thanks so much, Mark, for joining us. Uh, it's been absolute pleasure to have you uh, join with us and share. And uh, uh, there's so much gold there that I think uh, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners, uh, Friendy, you and me, we uh, we love hearing from Mark. So if you haven't, if you're not following us on uh, Common Man Podcast, obviously make sure you subscribe to. Uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or follow us. too on, on the uh, review would be nice as well. Yeah, a few stars. That would be nice. And uh, obviously on uh, Instagram, send us a DM, slide one in. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, this interview with Mark Hignett. Uh, we'll catch you next time.